So our memory verse today comes to us from Psalm 127.3. It says this, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. And that is not the message we get from culture right now. But it's so true in God's Word. Like, children are awesome. And we love them and so does God. Right? Because this is not something that our culture really teaches. And it's a tragedy. But if we want to honor the gift that God has given us in our children, it helps us to remember what he has to say at the beginning. And children really are a heritage. And there's something to that. A heritage gives us an opportunity for the future. Right? Or we get to plant into the future and make an impact to the next generation and those after. Through our children. And God rewards us with kids. And they are a blessing. So, uh, we'll be talking about today, parenting. And what does it mean? And, and uh, how we're going to, uh, how God calls us to parent. And we're actually going to look a little bit at how God parents, because we call him Heavenly Father. And so to look at really maybe a good model of parenting, we'll be looking at God a little bit. So we'll be doing some of that, and so uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So if you wouldn't mind, in your Bibles this morning, turn to Ephesians 6. And uh, if uh, you, you, don't, you have one of our Bibles, I see that our, our, I forgot to put the page number on there, but it's on page 816, 816, if you have one of our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and need one, uh, we've got a whole bunch of them in the back, and you can just keep one if you need a Bible as well, our gift to you. So as you turn to Ephesians 6, of course, the, uh, Paul is giving uh, the church in Ephesus some principles of how, to, how churches to operate. And here we get to Ephesians 6. It's right near the end. And he gives them some final instructions about um, really how we're supposed to hang together as a church. And so Ephesians 6, starting in verse 1, he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So it gives us some good instruction as parents, a place to kind of hang. You'll see there's two uh, different parts to this uh, instruction that Paul gives us that we see. And uh, the first one is for children to honor your parents. And uh, this is really important for us uh, because uh, children, honor your parents in the Lord for this is right. And so one of the things we say is that we're supposed to honor our parents, which means that we, we don't disparage them, right? Uh, that, uh, and in fact, there it says children obey. That's a pretty big deal, right? Obedience means submitting my will to the will of another. And it's right for children to submit their wills to that of their parents, now, I know we live in a culture that we always love to look at the exception and then say we can't have any rules because there is an exception to it. Like, kid you not, right now, in England, they have decided that you can't call a woman a pregnant mother because there was one woman who chose to try to change her identity while she was pregnant, and then she was no longer a mother. So now, for everybody, you can't call a woman a pregnant mother. I get it. That's the culture. That's... That's the way that we operate. But the reality is, the reality is, is that there is a standard that we're supposed to shoot towards. Now, I know that there are some parents that tell their kids to do bad things, right? Should a child obey their parent if their parent tells them to, I don't know, murder somebody? No. Why? Because they're supposed to obey their heavenly father first, right? That's what we have structure, Right? Parents never have the right to tell their children to sin and have their children forced to obey it. We get that. But in general, 
99.99999% of the time. Children, obey your parents. They're not telling you to kill anybody. They're telling you to do stuff that you don't want to do. Obedience is never obedience if we're going to do it anyway. It's just convenience. But when our parents tell us to do something that we don't want to do, we have to submit our will to them. So for children, it's right for you. It says this is right. And what pleases the Lord, that's what it says in Scripture. To submit your will to that of your parents, God wants you to do that. So for children, it's a right thing to expect them to obey their parents. It is not child abuse. Okay? It's okay. Right. It's what God says. It's what pleases Him. It's the way that things work best. So children, you have to obey your parents. And not just obey, but then we also go on to honor. And honor is affording deference and respect. And that's not just for children, by the way, because he goes on there. He says, that, he says uh, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. And you know that commandment wasn't just given to people under the age of 18. It was given to everybody. It's part of the Big Ten, right? So he tells us, honor them. We are supposed to give our parents deference and respect. And this is something not because they have earned it, but because, guess what, you are a reward from God to them. So act like it. That's one of the things that we get to do. And it says that if we do that, there is a promise of blessing. In fact, it's the first time in Scripture that God says, if you do this, then I will bless you with something. And the blessing is this. You're going to have a a long life and things are going to go well for you. Which are two generally good things. Right? Health and well-being are things that most people desire. And God says, honor your father and mother and things will go better for you. It's for your benefit. It is the right thing. God cares about family deeply. And so he says, children, honor your father and mother. Right? So obey them and honor them. And even when we're adults, we get to honor our parents. And so for those of us who are a little bit older, and that most of us are, how do we honor our parents as they age? Well, we listen to them. We go to them with, for counsel and advice. We don't disparage them. We don't treat them like they're morons. That's a good thing, right? As they age, we care for them as they cared for us when we were younger. All right? we, we do what we can to show them respect. And that is very different in our culture. In fact, next week, we're going to talk about elders and what God says how we're supposed to treat those who are aged in scripture and it's really cool because it's very very different than our culture (laughs) says but we start at home honor our father and mother and there's a blessing in there for that so that's what we do the second thing that tells us to do not just honor our father and mother but the second part is we need to disciple our children disciple them it says fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and the instruction of the lord now that word exasperate which i think is kind of I like to, to look at the word sometimes and I go, that's an that's a interesting word. Is it found other places in Scripture? In fact, it is. Uh, in fact, we find it in Romans 12, but it, the, the word itself is kind of two Greek words that are smashed together. And the first one uh, means toward, like I'm working towards something, power, I'm going towards something. The other one is towards anger or resentment. So it says that the, the, the word itself means, hey, fathers, don't take your kids and move them towards resentment. 
And, and the place that we see it in Scripture is in Romans 10, and it says this. It's actually God even talking as a father. He says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. Now, that comes to us from Deuteronomy 32, where God promises that he's going to bring him aside, and he's going to uh, talks about bringing in Gentiles into this and how it was going to help the Jewish people by this jealousy come to faith. But he says, I will make you angry. It's that same word. Like he moves them towards this, this ah feeling. Now God can do that in bringing people to faith in Jews, and that's a mystery. I don't know why he's supposed to do it. But parents, we're not supposed to do that with our kids. That's, that's what we are not, it tells us in Scripture, don't do that. There's a way that we're not supposed to drive our kids batty. So we're going to talk about some ways that we parent. How do we parent? And, and there's a graph here that talks about parenting styles. And uh, so we're going to talk about that today. Now there's two different, uh, you know, things on that graph. I'm losing the word because it's early. So sorry, only one cup of coffee. You're going to have to just follow me here. Okay, so the up and down arrow there, that's structure right there. That's the more structure, starting with a low amount and a high amount. Structure, what is structure? Structure talks about um, expectations, right? So say, um, uh, I want you to do this. And, and this is how we behave. This is how we operate. These are the expectations. Um, the other one is order, right? There's, there's a level of, of, uh, of in the household that things work a certain way. There's an order. There might be roles. There's responsibilities. There is order, how things function. It's not pandemonium. Order is in structure. That thing is also discipline, right? Uh, if, if you uh, do not uh, meet the expectations, there will be, these consequences, discipline, right? Uh, and to say that uh, those types of things are all in structure. Now, we'll start from very low amount of structure where there's really no expectations, no order, no discipline. That's in the bottom portion, moving to a very high level of expectations, order, and discipline there and the blue box. All right, on the bottom one, you have love. That's a different side of how we see things work. And love has to do with acceptance, Something that you are unconditional love, you are accepted here, uh, we love you. Grace is in, is in love. Saying when you fail, there is forgiveness and there is a way back to, to in good standing, all that kind of stuff. Kindness, just being nice to one another. <laughs> Doing things just because it's, it's a good thing to do because you care for them, right? The more and more you do that, you can start with a very low level where there really is no acceptance, no grace, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and no kindness all the way up to that yellow box where there's lots and lots of that. So in that, you're going to find a level of structure and love that you have in your home will depend on your different parenting styles. So we have uh, starting from a very low level, moving to a very high level, and that's what we'll be looking at today. So the very first thing we want to look at, is what is a parenting style that maybe starts with low love and low discipline? right? That's called the neglectful parenting style, right? If you are raising your kids, or maybe you were raised in a home in which there really wasn't a lot of structure, like the parents just kind of just do whatever, right? But there also wasn't a whole lot of love. It was kind of like, stay out of my way. That's neglect. So the focus in a neglectful parenting style is this. It is a focus on conflict avoidance. The parents just don't want to deal with the kids, they want to deal with conflict. They want to deal with the work of, of raising kids. They just want to avoid all of that. And so really the focus is on the parent's comfort. 
In fact, oftentimes in neglectful parenting style, the parents are either resentful that they had kids or totally overwhelmed that they have them that they don't even want to deal with trying to think of how they're going to raise them. That's all about the parents. It's, a, it's the kind of parenting style that says this, do whatever, I don't care. And in that kind of, of parenting style leads to a lot of resentment. Children who grow up in neglectful homes tend to resent their parents deeply. They tend to resent their parents' faith deeply too, by the way. You know, a sad thing, this last week I was at the EMA and we were talking about uh, uh, Hal, who's a pastor at Mountain View, and they have the hub meet at his church, and they had an elders meeting last week. And uh, afterwards, he and some of the elders went into the kitchen, and they noticed that there were some kids in the kitchen, some of the youth that were in there, and some of them were very hungry. And so Hal mentioned to James, he said, is this normal? Like, and, and James said, oh, yeah. He said, a lot of kids that come to the hub are just hungry. And so we started talking about it. Was it because of lack of food? Because Crossroads has lots of food, <laughs> right? We have the, as a community, we've done a great job. We can get food to families if that's what we need to do. If we need to mobilize in a different way to get food to families. In fact, there are groups of Christians that meet in the schools uh, every week, and they, uh, Mr. Leha's class, and they pack food things, for packages for families to take home. So the question, are these kids just not having access to food? And, and James said, no, it's just that the parents don't cook for them. This kind of fend for themselves. This is what we think about. They're so busy working or doing other things, they neglect their kids. This is very real happening in Estes Park right now. A lot of our students are neglected. They do not receive the basic things, how much less the more important things. Like expectations, discipline, and acceptance, and care. Students like this become less prepared for life. They don't know how to operate in in, in a culture in which says, listen, these are the things that are needed from you. And they are very less prepared in relationships to accept and to receive love. But we see that this is a real parenting style that is very common today. Oftentimes because we are taught that children are not a blessing. And they are not a heritage. They are a burden. That's the message, right? And if children are a burden and parents just have to get by with whatever I can just barely get by for them, we'll just let them live and do their thing. The church needs to stand up and help children that are neglected. That's what we're called to do. That's like when James came a couple weeks ago from the hub and he talked about so many of you men, I'm so proud of our church, so many of you guys stepped up and said, we're going to get into those schools and we're going to be mentoring, we're going to be helping out. This is what we need to do. But oftentimes that neglected child may be on your street, right? Maybe the one that's, that's uh, in your neighborhood, you have no idea the power that we have as Christians to be able to care. But you know what? As far as, as us and Christians, we ought not be neglectful because our Heavenly Father is not neglectful. He gives us a good amount of both structure and love. Well, let's, let's look at this. We have uh, low love and, and uh, low structure means neglectful. How about if we go from uh, a, a amount of, of low love but high, high structure, that upper box, Right? What kind of parenting style is that? That's the authoritarian style, right? This is a style in which that home is run like a military school, 
right? There are super high expectations, right? The kids are supposed to do these things, right? right? This is how our home operates, and these are the expectations. But there is very little acceptance. There's not this sense of you're loved no matter what. It's you're, you're going to be approved of if you, if you live up to these high standards. Rigid rules. Not a lot of grace. Kids mess up and there's usually huge, huge amounts of punishment. But not a lot of affirmation for them when they do things well. Not a lot of them knowing that they're just loved and treasured for who they are. Not a lot of grace to say, listen, everybody messes up. Let's, let's help you grow and get back up <laughs> when you mess up and this is how we're going to do it. That kind of home really has an authority which is great, but it's not of love. The focus in that kind of home is on control. It's on order. They say, we want to make sure that you can live up to these standards, but oftentimes the kids feel like they just their value is based upon their performance. It's this kind of home where you'll hear things like this a lot, because I said so. Right? That's the reason. I'm the parent and I'm the boss and, and you're the kid, so you're not and you're the slave and so therefore, because I said so, that's it. My way or the highway. You know, that kind of home oftentimes leads to rebellion. And we find in the church when, when, when people are, grow up in, in the homes like this, when they have super amount of structure but not much grace or love, oftentimes those children rebel against the church. And in faith, they often rebel against their parents because there's lots of rules, but they don't see any reasons why. They don't see that those rules are for them. They don't feel any love in the midst of those, and so they just rebel. This is a real scary one because I think as, as, as our culture has gone into the neglectful realm, the church has, the pendulum has often swung so far to the, to the authoritarian side and said, no, we need structure. But we've done it so much that we sometimes we neglect to care for the kids in the process. And so this is not a healthy way of, of raising kids. You know, it's not a healthy way of having a church, by the way, either, or, or anything else. If you can think of a church that just has lots of rules but not a lot of grace. We call that legalistic and, and it can really be very damaging to people and their faith because we're the children of God. The authoritarian home, you'll often notice that kids that are in that will be very, very good, but you can just tell they're just biding their time. They're waiting until they're 18 so they can get out from this yoke and they can move away. It, it's these kids, when I was doing uh, youth ministry and I'd look at when they would go to college, oftentimes they were the very first to just throw off their faith. <laughs> and do anything else. As a church, we have to be very careful we, that, we, that, we, that it's the order is not the problem. It's the fact that we're not having enough love. One thing that I learned in some of the, the management and leadership courses that I've been, been fortunate enough to take is this, is that people need typically on average 25 attaboys or attagirls for every one do better. As be, for in order for us to hear that. I don't know why... Uh, hey, you got to do better, costs so much more in relational uh, equity, right? Where you have to really build up to that. But most people need that. They need to hear lots of affirmation that they're good. It's not just, you know, uh, telling them they're awesome when they're just being mediocre. It's talking about the person that I care for you, that you are valued for who you are, not just because of what you do. But as we do that, we do have to do the do betters because people need to do better. 
right? Kids are kids. They don't know it yet. That, that's why God gave them to us. If you are an authoritarian home, the message I hope you take this morning is not that you back off on the structure, but that you increase the love. The same type of love and grace that God gives you. Right? He has high expectations. He says, be perfect for your heavenly father is perfect, and that's a pretty high expectation. But aren't you grateful there's a ton of grace there too? How many times does he forgive you? Once, twice, uh, as many as it takes. And he calls you his own. All right, so let's go on the other side here. What if we have not much structure, but we give a lot of love? What happens if we do that? We're in that yellow box area in, uh, in this. Well, we end up with a permissive parenting style. And I think this is the most common parenting style today. In fact, I've got uh, folks in my own family who think that this is intelligently making the decision that they want to parent in this quadrant. And, and so this is the type of, of parenting style that says, you know, we're not going to have tons of expectations on kids because it ruins their self-esteem. It tells them that they're not great, but we're going to give them lots of love and praise, right? Every day, you are the best. We love you. And if they mess up, you know, it doesn't matter, right? That kind of parenting. In the home, there's not any rules. There's no real responsibilities, right? The focus in this type of home is on this. It's on the child's immediate comfort, right? Whatever makes the kid feel good must be right. If the kid's feeling sad or challenged, then we're being too harsh kind of home. It's the kind of home where you'll hear a phrase like this, you deserve anything you want, right? And we see this a lot. Dr. Zach, I mean, he sees it in youth ministry. We see it uh, a lot. Now, the problem is that type of environment leads to entitlement, It leads to a group of people who think that I should just get whatever I want because I'm special. And the problem is when everyone's special, no one's special. The problem is is that you have people that that have a very high esteem of themselves that is not warranted. I remember, do you remember that show um, uh, that uh, American Idol... You know, people would go on and they would sing and do stuff. And, and my favorite portion of that show was that I would only watch like the first week of it because it was hilarious. All right, and you'd have people that would go up and they would think they could sing and no one cared for them enough to tell them, listen, you've got other talents, right? So stick with those. And they would go on and they would totally think, and the judges would be brutally honest with them and they would go back and think there's something wrong with these judges who are experts, Right? Permissive parenting does very little to help our children prepare for the real world. But also does very little to help them succeed in life. None of us are good at everything. Isn't that what scripture tells us? That God designed us specifically to to be great in some areas and be deficient in others so that way we would need one another? That's community. If you raise a generation of children who think that they're awesome at all things and they don't need anybody else, that leads to an enormous amount of pride. It allows them to have huge blind spots and they wonder why their lives don't work. And if you put two of these people together in a marriage, watch out. If they're both very entitled, right? They think, I deserve all these things, but there's no structure. They have no idea to operate in that. Then they get very discouraged with one another because they have these high expectations in and of themselves, but no idea why and no idea what that means. And they hold these expectations to one another and neither one thinks that they should have to meet anybody else's expectations. I'm seeing that now in a lot of my post-marriage counseling. 
It, it is a very popular parenting style. In fact, it's taught in a lot of places that we need to worry about our child's self-esteem above all else. To tell them that they're amazing, but don't put things on them. Don't put on structures from culture. That's a bad thing. But I will tell you that in doing that, we are really hamstringing our children in success in life. See, God does give us a lot of love, doesn't he? A lot of grace. A lot of, he's, he's there. He says, you're my child. I care for you. I love you. He says, you're the apple of his eye. He, he cheers in heaven over you. He sings over you. He, he, God loves you like crazy. He does, right? You are something special because he made you. But he also says, this is the standard. You better meet it. Doesn't he? He does. Because he loves us. He says he gives us the word and these structure, and he says, so that way we know what's wrong in our lives, so we'll know how to fix it. Not because he's mean. He gives us roles and responsibilities that we, each of us are to fulfill in life so society can work. God is a, not a permissive parent. I don't think in Scripture you can make the argument for that at all, but I would say this our culture is, has a lot of permissive parenting. As a church, one of our things that we can offer is structure. People crave structure. We feel secure in structure. One of the things I've noticed in a lot of children that are brought up in these permissive parenting households is a lot of fear and anxiety. Not knowing exactly what is it that I'm supposed to attain to. Frustration. When kids know this is who my mom and dad are and this is what they do and this is what they'll provide... Right? This is how a house is run. This is, you know, when you train them up and they know at some points that these are the responsibilities that they're going to have to have someday as they lead their own households and all those things, they, they're not fearful of life. As a church, we can help provide structure. One of those things, one of the best things, our grandparents are a gift of God to parents. Let me tell you. Because oftentimes in parents, uh, we live in a culture that tells us we don't need that. And grandparents can sometimes come alongside and model this for us and teach us. It, it's a really important role, but we need structure in our kids. Now let's talk about that green, that green box there, that we have high structure and high love right up there. And uh, so we have lots of expectations and order and discipline. We have lots of acceptance and grace and kindness. It's called the authoritative parenting style. And this, no surprise, is the quadrant that we find the Heavenly Father operating in for us. The Heavenly Father has high expectations, super high ones, but he lays them out. He tells us, he doesn't just say, shape up. He says, this is what I want you to be. In the scripture, he says, as a man, this is what I want you to be. As a woman, this is what I want you to be. As a husband, I want you to be this. As a wife, I want you to be this. As a citizen, I want you to do this. As a, as, if you are a slave owner or you're a boss, this is how I want you to act. If you are an employee or a slave or anything else, this is how I want you to act. Right? As a Christian, this is how I want you to act. As a member of the church, these are the things I expect from you. As a pastor from the church, this is what I expect from you. God has got lots of lists of expectations, and he tells us very clearly what he wants, which is great, so we don't have to guess what does God want. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's hilarious when people say the church is just a rich list of rules. I'm like, no, no. It's, he tells us what he wants. Yay! This is good! And he gives us lots of grace because he knows we're not going to do it all the time. Right? And he gives us his Holy Spirit to help us. God is so good. 
you got a lot of structure, but boy, we got a ton of love. God's never going to leave you or abandon you. You're not saved by good works. We're not up there bragging in heaven and doing all that kind of stuff. We're thinking that our value in God is somehow dependent on how perfect I was. He made you worthy just because you are, but he also made you to do stuff and he tells you how to do it. He does both. You see, in that quadrant, it would be authoritative parents. The focus is on the child's needs and character. Isn't that amazing? When parents say, you know what, I want, I want my child to grow to be the person that God designed them to be. That means I'm going to have to give them structure. And some of that structure is things like this. They have a safe place to live. Right? There's consistency in how I treat my wife and my kid. And there's consistency in how my wife treats me and my son. Right? That's, there's consistency there. There are rules of the house that just are the same. They don't change all the time. There's structure and order. There are expectations in the home that aren't just like, one day it's okay if you're this way, but the other day it's better if you're this way. Things don't shift like that. There's structure. There's order. There are expectations for behavior and belief and, and, and attitude. High structure, but also high love. When you have a bad day, there's a lot of forgiveness. A lot of times you're sitting around just playing and enjoying the company of one another. The focus is saying this, I'm building a human to be a heritage. I'm passing on not just my faith into them, but I'm passing on faithfulness in them. Right? Hugely important. In that kind of home, you're going to hear things like this. I love you and I want your best. And sometimes that's telling your kid to do something that they're going to have to obey you in, things they don't want to do. And sometimes it's when you give them an awesome gift. But I love you, and in other cases, I want your best. Your best. Which leads to sacrificial parenting, doesn't it? It means that parents oftentimes have to lay down their lives for their kids. It's not about your comfort, it's about theirs. And none of our other comfort is about their good. And so oftentimes, in, a, in an authoritative household, the parents will oftentimes have to say, you know, right now it would be much easier for me just to turn a, a blind eye to my kid's misbehavior because I'm just tired and I'm exhausted and I want to deal with it. But that's, that's all about you. An authoritative parenting says this, my child right now is making a scene and I'm going to have to address it. Right? My child needs this kind of encouragement. You know, sometimes like my son loves to sign up for sports and that's extra things for me to do during the week. Right? And so we, we give him boundaries as to what he can sign up for and all that kind of stuff, but he signs up for things. And I will tell you, as a parent, one of the greatest phone calls in the world is when one of the coaches calls you and says, practice is canceled. <laughs> right? I love that call. It's like, because I got time back. Right? But for his good, when he's not feeling great, right, when he doesn't want to go, the best thing for me, even though selfishly I'd be like, oh, fine, yeah, let's just not go tonight. No, I have to make sure that he goes. He needs to learn to keep his word. He needs to go. I need to model that. Authoritative parents have to be sacrificial parents, which is kind of like God, isn't it? Laid down his life for us. He does what's for our good. He doesn't turn a blind eye to our brokenness, right? He consistently and continually calls us up. 
Authoritative parents, the church is the place that teaches authoritative parenting because we have the best model in the world. We have God the Father. This is a place where people, parents, should be able to feel safe to come and learn and to see how do we parent our children? How do we pass this on to the next generation? You see, kids that grow up in this, it leads them to empowerment. Children that are brought up in authoritative homes are empowered to become the people God called them to be so that they can carry the faith and faithfulness on to the next generation, which is a heritage, the kind that we want. And it's amazing, and it's not surprising, this is God's parenting style. Lots of law, lots of grace. It's the place that we ought to live. So parenting style, how do we not bring our children up to a place where they're just exasperated? Authoritative, lots of love, lots of structure. Now this morning, you're looking at your own parenting or, or in your family, you say, listen, in our life, do we have structure, Right? If not, Scripture, that's what we talked about last week, some of the marriage stuff and things like that. We're talking about next week, the structure. What does God expect? Or maybe it's the love. If you're finding that you're home, there's, there's a lot of expectations, not a lot of love, then do we need to add that? But here, we need, our target is to be authoritative. Now, let's talk about some things that kids need to hear. Every th- child needs to hear these things often. And it comes to us from Mark 1.11, and this is from the Heavenly Father. And it's the thing that we see God tell Jesus directly. Right? And also we find it in Luke as well and other passages. And so Jesus is going to get ready to go into his public ministry. He's getting ready. He's starting his public ministry. He goes down and he's baptized, right, and by John. He comes up out of the water. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all there at that moment. And a voice comes from heaven. And what does God say publicly to his son? You are my son, whom I love, with you, I am well pleased. Now, interestingly enough, there's been a lot of uh, sociological studies and things like this, and with child psychology and things, of things that children need to hear that actually happen to match up exactly with what God the Father told his son, which I think is pretty cool. Now, they don't oftentimes make the tie, but these three things, whether if you're in the Christian realm or in the secular realm, there are three things that children need to hear. I just show them here because I want you to show you that our Heavenly Father knows what he's doing. The first thing that we see of every child, what do they need to hear? They need to hear this, belonging. And they need to hear it often. God said, you are my son. Children need to hear they have a place. You're part of this family. It means something. You belong here. You have a space. You have an identity. Right? You have a legacy. Children need to hear this. Children that are brought up in homes that that are neglectful or don't speak that or don't say that you belong here become very fearful. They don't really know their space in life. It's why it's so hard for orphans. It's why the church, one of the reasons the church is called to care for orphans so much, to tell them that they have a place, that they belong. How many times in Scripture does God tell us, you are mine, you belong, you carry my name, right? Clothe yourself in me. Identify with this. I'm identifying with you. Their kids need to know that they belong. And they don't just need to hear it once. They need to hear it a lot. You're mine. The second thing that kids need to hear oftentimes is this, is love. God even says, you're my son whom I love. Children need to hear this a lot. In fact, it doesn't just stop when we're kids. I'm an adult. When my dad says, hey, Aaron, I'm so proud you're my son. I love you. And even still, that reaches something deep in me, right? It's supposed to. 
Kids need to know that they're loved, not because of what they do, but simply because of who they are. They're loved. We need to speak love into our children's lives over and over and over again. You know, it's an amazing thing, though. How many people have never heard their parents tell them they love them? It's, it's so common, it's tragic. Or maybe just one time in their life, they heard their parents say, I love you. And they cling to that. You know this, you have a heavenly father, if that's you, who says multiple times in his word, he loves you. He cares for you deeply. You are his and he loves you. Because we have a father that is even father to the fatherless. Our heavenly father wants to become his child. We truly are his child and he speaks that over us over and over again. Not just once in scripture, but throughout the whole text. I think as parents, we need to also be telling our kids, we love you. We care for you. Right? Not because of anything that you've done. We'll get to that. But just because of who you are. You're loved. The third thing that kids need to hear is this. Affirmation. It's with you, I'm well pleased. This is not just a pat on the head and said you're good at everything. No, no, no. It's an affirmation of who they are. You are capable. You know, my son is not perfect. But he is good at some things. And it doesn't take me long to be able to identify those things. And if I'm looking for what he actually is good at, then I can tell him. All right, I'll give you an example. And he hears it, man. Boy, he soaks it up. One day he was sitting on the couch and he had his iPad and he was doing something there. And then he was listening to some music on my wife's phone. And then he was playing a video game on the thing, the TV. And then he was switching between that and some TV show, which somehow he was keeping track of. And I walked out into the room because that would drive me nuts. I am a focused person. I like one thing. That's all I can do. I walked in there. I said, dude, that is amazing. I don't know how your mind does it, how you can multitask. But that is just, I am so impressed. Right? You, he keeps it all together. For the next three years, he has identified himself as a multitasker. Right? I don't even know if that was like the best thing for me to tell him to do. But any time we're like, hey, you know, you need to focus on this. He's like, don't worry, Dad. I'm good at multitasking. That's who I am. Right? It's what you're good at. We speak life and power into our kids' lives when we identify what they're good at. Yes, we need to correct them. Yes, we don't want to spare the rod and spoil our child. That is so true. But we also need to make sure that we are telling them what they're good at, what God designed them to be. That's a heritage. If you have a kid that's got a heart of compassion, speak it up. I love how you care for people. If you have a child that's kind and they just do little acts of kindness, man, you, you lift them up on that. You say, you know what? God is a something in that for you and for your ministry. It's the reason he's given you that. If you have a child who's really intelligent, tell them that you're proud of them. But also speak purpose into it. God's going to use this. He made that for a purpose in you. You have a destiny. And oftentimes we can see how God made us by looking at what he made us good at. So find those things. Speak it into your child's life, not just once, but often. Daily, multiple times if you can. And you know what? If you have grown kids, you can still speak these things into their lives today. Kids need to hear it. Three things. Belonging, love, and affirmation. You're my son, whom I love, and whom I'm well pleased. I think it's an amazing thing. As a church, we can speak these truths 
into our people's lives because God speaks these truths into you, but also let's model these. May this be a place where children know that they belong, that they are loved, and they have a purpose perfectly suited to do something amazing for God. So, we need to disciple our children. That's how we do it. We bring them up, which means that we train them. And training doesn't just stop at 18 years of age, by the way. Training takes a lot of time, so it takes at least 18 years, which I think is why we have them in the home, but it doesn't just stop then. So realize this. Kids aren't going to be perfect right out of the gate. They're going to be noisy, they're going to be messy, and they're gonna, people are that way. And as a child of God, you are also messy and you take time. And God is willing to take the time with you to help you grow in faith and in faithfulness. And we as a church also want to support parents as they help their kids grow in faith and faithfulness. See, children are hardwired to listen to their parents. That's how God made them, right? They listen to you more than anybody else. Even when they're adults, what you say has power. Right? God designed it that way. And so we need to make sure that we are speaking these things into their life. We're bringing high structure and high amounts of love, that we're speaking affirmation of love and of affirmation of purpose in their life. And you know this too, that kids are not just listening to your words, but they're watching your actions. And that's true for grandkids as well, by the way. They're watching us. If you say, I'm keeping a priority, this is important, and then I do something totally around that, they're going to, Watch what we do <laughs> more than we say. So if we say, in this home, we speak kindly to one another, and then like three minutes later, you're yelling at each other, guess the value that they're learning. If you tell them, you're loved, and the very next thing that you're doing is you're, you're like, but you're a failure, <laughs> right? They're going to watch what you do. So model these things. Model structure in your life. Show discipline. Show faithfulness to God. Show love. And we will be able to disciple our children, raise them up in the ways of the Lord. Then they become a heritage. Then they carry the faith on to the next generation and burn the gospel light even brighter than we ever could. Which is an amazing thing. So, discipling our children, we want to make sure that we teach them uh, the way of the Lord. Right? In fact, uh, Jesus tells us in the Great Commission, teach them everything I have commanded. Right? That's what Jesus told us to do. Remember, for your kids, you are their number one discipler. Parents are the number one discipler of children. They're going to emulate our walk of faith, and in that, they become our legacy. So, as we bring this up, how, how, how do we summarize all this? The first thing we need to realize is that children are a blessing. We need to treat them as such. Children are not a problem. They're not an extra expense. Right? They are a blessing from God. They are a prize and a value. We need to honor them. Also, the second thing is that children, we need to honor our parents, every one of us, finding ways to give them deference and respect, to care, to honor our parents. Also, when you see that we need to disciple our children, all right, to, to make sure that we're discipling in an authoritative way with lots of love and lots of structure. And the last thing I think we see here is that Scripture gives us this command. We need to raise a legacy. This is up to us. The legacy of the church has very little to do with the culture around us. A lot of people think that the church is in trouble because culture is so difficult. Culture was difficult when the church started. They killed Jesus and beheaded one of the apostles, like straight off the bat. Pretty anti-Christian culture, right? In the city where they killed Jesus, just a month later is when the church took off. You know what? The gospel is not dependent upon culture. 
It says that we're going to kick down the gates of hell. The thing is, if we want the church to continue, we need to raise a heritage. We need to be the kind of parents and be the kind of disciples of our kids that will make sure that the gospel light does advance. So let's raise a legacy. We can all do it together. So some things that we can do uh, to facilitate that, if you take your connection card out, some things that I have for us, let me begin, are this. Uh, the first one is to uh, memorize Psalm 127.3. If you want to take that out, it might be something that you want to do. Why? Because we are living in a culture that doesn't value children, but God values children, and he calls us to value children. And it's powerful when the word of God is in us. And the moments when we think of kids as a, as, a, as a burden to have this in there, you know what? This is what we're supposed to do. Maybe you need to memorize that this week and meditate on it. The second thing you may want to do is to read Ephesians. I read the last part, Ephesians 6, which kind of talks about just briefly some parenting stuff. Ephesians talks about as a church family. How is the church supposed to grow? And guess what we're going to be talking about in two weeks? The church family. So you're priming your mind and all that kind of stuff, but you'll see a lot of structure and a lot of love in Ephesians. So maybe this is what you read this week and see how God wants us to operate. Maybe the thing that you need to commit to this week is to honor your father and mother. Honor your parents. And maybe there are ways it's either to give them a call, to, uh, to care for them, to encourage them as well and, and as they age. Or maybe if they're already gone, maybe honoring your father and mother is passing on the faith that they passed on to you. Or how about this? Maybe you can do is help a single parent. Because I'll tell you, as a church, we live in a culture that is flooded with a lot of single parents. Over half of the students in our middle school right now come from single-parent homes. What we can do is we can actually care for single parents. This is how we do it. It's not through a church program. It's that you are the church. And here's God's program in you. If you know a single parent, adopt them. You don't have to tell them I adopted them, but you can do is... You can go down to like dad's laundry and get them a gift certificate for laundry to be done, right? <laughs> and give it to them. You can bring uh, groceries by or some pre-done meals or something once in a while, right? You can just offer sets of encouragement to them. You can go to their kids' performances once in a while. You can actually make a difference in families' lives here in Estes. And you don't even have to ask the church to do it. You can just go ahead and do it. So maybe that's what you start with. And say, you know, we're going to start with Maybe helping a single parent. Maybe there's something else that you can do too. I'll write that down. Maybe God's telling you right now, this is what he wants you to do. Let me know as your pastor. I want to pray for you, encourage you in that. Maybe there's another commitment that you need to make. Or there's a prayer request. This is your opportunity. Write that down this week because I'll be lifting this on your behalf, praying for you. We even heard this morning another one of our prayers that we've been lifting up was answered. And so uh, I love it when that happens and I get to hear these good reports. God hears, so let us pray for you. Write those down. And here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. So take our offering, take these connection cards, put them in the offering basket as it's passed. And then after the offering, I'm going to have uh, Zach and Margot come up with Eliana, and we're going to have a baby dedication. So there you go. All right, let's pray as, as we close this portion. Heavenly Father, thank you for being exactly that, our Heavenly Father. You're a God that gives us lots of love, and you've given us a lot of structure. You are amazing. Father, thank you for telling us in your word over and over and over again these wonderful things, that Father, that you love us. Father, that, that we have a place in your kingdom, that, that uh, Father, that you affirm us and, and who we are in you. And Father, that you call us to great things. And Lord, that you say that even in some ways that we are your legacy, the church, here. Uh, Father God, we want to be a legacy if that honors you and your kingdom. 
Lord, that we get to, to build life and hope and love and peace in this community in Estes Park. So help us to be your disciples that build disciples. And Father, we pray for the parents in our church, those that are raising young children. Grant them grace and energy and peace and support through this body. Father, through your word, that they can raise a legacy of their children. Father, that your kingdom would grow ever more brightly until you return. And Father, for those of us that are here that, that uh, may be raising the second generation as grandparents, Father, I pray for wisdom and opportunity to support their kids and their grandkids, providing that love and, and that structure, Lord, that acceptance and that purpose. Father, may the church here be a healthy family that grows healthy families. So Lord, for those of us who have made decisions and commitments today, help us keep those in such a way that honor you and to grow us in strength. And Father, as we take these, these uh, offerings today, we thank you for the, the ability we have to invest in your kingdom. Lord, do great things with this. May your kingdom expand in us, in as individuals, in our church, as well as in our community. And so, Father, we bring all of these, these offerings to you in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.
Oh, very good. Well, we have uh, Zach and Margo up here, and uh, they went here to uh, dedicate Eliana to the Lord. And so uh, this is our dedication service. And there we go over my notes to make sure I got it, because otherwise I am lost. All right. Uh, so uh, we're here today to do a baby dedication. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to... Uh, show you what it says in God's word about raising kids. God says, this is the Shema, a real important uh, verse that God has for us. It says, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And right after that, it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, which is pretty much sums up all of life. What we find is that God gives us an amazing opportunity as parents to disciple our children. In fact, you are the primary disciplers, Eliana. And so uh, in this world, which is broken, and oftentimes it's, a, uh, it's an uncertain place, uh, it makes sense for parents to want to dedicate their children t- to the Lord and to his service. And part of that is dedicating yourself to God. And so what we want to do is encourage you to love the Lord with everything you are with your heart and your soul, with your mind, with your strength, to care for each other and to raise Eliana in a home in which God is honored. Show her, demonstrate her to her a faith that she will want to emulate and make her own. I know I have the same feeling sometimes when I get up on stage. <laughs> which is good. <laughs> so we'll just get a little napkin there before you. I know. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, by coming forward today, do you desire to dedicate Eliana to the Lord, to raise her in a home in which she is loved, and to someday bring her to a place that she herself will want to accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior? Okay. Well, if that's it, then what I'm going to do is have you uh, make this uh, following vow. And I'm, and I'm going to have to look over here for a second because I just went brain dead. Okay. Do you vow, by God's help and the help of the church, to raise Eliana in a home in which God is honored, in which Scripture is prized, in which Jesus Christ is taught as the only way of salvation? Wonderful. Well, uh, because you have made that dedication, I also want to ask the congregation, because they are, you are also part of the church family, um, being present in God's household today. Do you declare that you all accept, uh, declare yourselves to be the children of God because you have accepted God, um, salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior? If that is true for you, would you please say, I do? Ah, wonderful, or we do. All right, well then, for those of you, would you please stand because we're going to make a commitment here. All right, so do you vow now by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of this body, to help Zach and Margo to be faithful to God and to help teach and train Eliana in the ways of the Lord so that she someday will trust him as her, her personal Lord and Savior. If this is true for you, please say we do. Wonderful. All right, would you please join me in praying for Eliana as we dedicate her to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for Zach and for Margo, for their faith and their faithfulness, the wonderful place that they have in our church and our family. Father, we thank you for Eliana and the gift that she is. Lord, we pray that today that you would help us to to honor you in the way that we support Zach and Margot as they parent Eliana. May they provide a home of faith and faithfulness for her to grow in. 
Lord, that, that she will see in them and their own lives a, a love for you that she will someday want to have for herself, that she will see in them an honor for your word that she will gain for herself. And Father God, that she will see a purpose in her life through their lives, Lord, that she will want to continue and to carry on the church. Uh, Father, we also pray for us as a church where we be a place of safety and security for Zach and Margaret. May we support them, help us, give us opportunities, and, and Father, to give us the right heart to support them as they raise Eliana and the Lord. And Father, ultimately, we dedicate this wonderful child to you and that she would be yours and that you would raise her in strength and in faithfulness and in favor with God and men, Lord, and that... Uh, Someday that she will uphold and live up to the full calling that you have made her for. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, we just wiped up the stage. <laughs> Very good. All right, finish us up, Zach. All right, we're going to sing one more song.